0: very much. I find it very interesting that many, if not most, people are at least a little bit nervous about these guys. Now, being that that interests me a lot about people and being someone who loves interacting with their snakes and having these guys around, I find it very interesting how reptile keepers can enjoy snakes so much and the average population does not enjoy snakes like this but there's a pretty good reason and now I did not discover this reason this is smarter people than me dating fossils and whatnot and this is how we get to what I'm about to tell you but before we do that I'm Raf, the hominid nice to see you guys thanks for listening to our podcast and I'm joined by Stevie the corn snake so we snake food long before we were ever snake keepers now what makes me say that is that snakes seem to have developed around 110 million years ago and we did not split from rodents which is a prime food choice for most snakes we did not split from these rodents until about 75 million years ago so that means likely i was not i wasn't there I can't tell you I was there, but likely our lineage, our ancestors were snake food for a very long time before we became the primates that run the world, kind of. And there really is something about handling snakes that, look, I love lizards too, you know, I have mostly lizards and I love to handle my lizards, but there is something different about handling a lizard than a snake and maybe that's just part of my bearded dragon is trying to claw her way out of her enclosure probably trying to eat my snake here so i love lizards but there are certain things about handling a snake that feel very different and uh, this could be some confirmation bias based on the idea that i enjoy the fact that we went from these rodent-like little things and we became what we are today and i find that very interesting but also I love snakes so much, and I think that people should be less scared of them at least. I mean, no one, you know, you don't have to keep a snake, but this uh, glorification of like killing snakes and the only good snake is the dead snake is kind of silly, but as I was saying, it, it kind of comes from the fact that they were eating us for a very long time, likely. Now, when I'm talking about interacting with a snake, And this also might be some confirmation bias because I just really enjoy handling the snakes. But there's something kind of cathartic to it, all right? There's, like, this feeling of, like, I don't want to say, like, a dirty feeling of, like, you shouldn't be doing it, you know? But there is something like a, like a whoa, you know? There's, um, because, I mean, that fear is built into people. People will argue that it's, it's taught socially, like, by your parents or whatever, But it seems to be ingrained in us, and much like the fear of the dark, this comes from the fact that when we were early on in our evolution, we had to fear certain things to make more likely, to make it more likely that we would reproduce and make more babies to eventually become humans. I mean, whether that was the plan then or not, but... Uh, it was good to be a little fearful of the dark because you wouldn't go willy-nilly making a lot of noise running around or else you'd be caught probably by a snake. I do think, though, that monsters in the dark and stuff like that were probably more, and there's, you know, other people have theorized this, but it was probably a lot of big cat type type deals, you know, when we were already developed into a a, a pretty well-developed primate. We were probably getting got by big cats when we were sleeping at night. And I think that comes from the fact, and I hope this helps you if you're nervous about snakes, the fact that pretty much all snakes are going to be ambush hunters, okay? Especially like the larger constrictor snakes that we all get nervous about. Uh, You don't see them cruising planes to go find a food item. Alright, a food item probably stumbles across them. This is very well evidenced in ball pythons, the fact that they they like to hunker down in a hole, and you can see them like this in captivity too. I have a ball python right next to me in a four-foot enclosure. People say you can't keep them that big of an enclosure. Because they like to be in small spaces. Well, just put more small spaces into a big space and that'll solve your problem. But they do like to hunker down in one area for an extended period of time, and then when they defecate. Or something like that. And they make obvious that, like, oh, I'm here by way of smell. And then they go to a new place. And this is, I don't know, kind of obvious that they're ambush hunters. They're not very quick. Uh, They can be quick, but uh, a rodent stumbles across their burrow. And that's how a ball python eats, primarily. And, I mean, it's true with most snakes. I mean, corn snakes like Stevie right here are more active And they seem to have pretty good vision and things like that too, so they might go looking for a meal. But on the whole, and also, I mean, constrictor snakes are the ones that get bigger, so I imagine the ones that were big enough to eat us later on into our development were also those larger constrictor snakes that are going to hunt by ambush. So they're not necessarily hunting us down, but you make a mistake in the middle of the night when you're a monkey person, you might get got. Still to this day, I mean, reticulated python recently, I think, within the last couple years, excuse me, actually ate a person. But uh, the fear is outdated. But it's worth talking about how interesting the fact is that we were probably a main prey source for this animal that we now keep as pets. Because... We do keep more dangerous pets than snakes uh, as humans. You know, dogs, cats. Well, I mean, you know, cats, uh, they stay small and whatnot. But you, you kind of get what I'm saying. I don't think it's too likely that we were being eaten by wolves too much, anyway. Because the thing about wolves is they're pack hunters and. Uh, people by the time wolves by the time we were interacting with wolves often anyway seems that people are already pretty well developed living in large social groups so be kind of silly if you're a pack of wolves to try to eat humans as a main prey source you know with weapons and again larger packs than the wolves have packs and whatnot so, I do find it very interesting that we keep dogs and how that relationship developed. But snakes are something even more unique because there was probably a large chunk of time where a large percentage of our ancestors were being nabbed by these guys. Now, I was talking about that feeling of interacting with a snake. And Again, the word isn't like, you know, it feels dirty to do it. But it feels uh, a little bit cathartic, you know. A little bit about me. I hate heights. I really don't like heights. I don't like to go up and look down. And I don't like heights. But at work, I'm on a lift a fair amount. and, And you go up there and you feel this feeling, you know, as you become less nervous about the thing that you're scared of and you're exposed to it. That's why exposure therapy works. I will get, and we'll talk more about Stevie and exposure therapy in a second. But there's that feeling when I'm up on that lift that's very similar to holding a snake. Now I don't fear snakes, but my DNA probably does, and your DNA probably does too. And my logic can wrap my head around and say, well, this, you know, roughly almost four foot long corn snake, it physically cannot uh, deal damage to me. And I'm using logic to do that. I'm not using instinct. Um, because, you know, even me, I love snakes, right? If I'm, walking, if I'm walking on a hike and I don't notice that there's a snake there and I see it on my feet, I might jump, you know? And I love snakes. But uh, this happens to people because it kept us alive for a long time. And, I mean, the raw form of these snake-avoiding instincts are still within us. Uh, And they're still out there even more so than within us because, again, we have houses and things like that. We can use logic and we can say we don't need to fear snakes as much anymore. And we did separate from the rodents about 75 million years ago, as I mentioned. But, like, if you look at a mouse today right? All those little things that they have, right? Why are mice so scared? Well, because things are trying to eat them and they don't want to be eaten. They want to reproduce. Okay. And that's all biological life really, minus some people now today, you know, essentially now that we develop things like technology and whatnot. But that's besides the point. If you look at a mouse, right? The ears on that thing, their vision is great. They have these big old eyes, And all this is literally to keep them alive. Like, at a moment's notice, a mouse hears something it doesn't want to hear, it's gone. You know, um, it sees something it doesn't want to see, it's gone. And we are not descendants of mice, literally, like mice as we know them today. But we did share a lineage for a while. And it's probably the case that these animals developed that way because snakes and lizards and birds of prey and and other things too, of course. But when we see a mouse make a split decision, wow, if we see a mouse make a split second decision, right, we should keep in mind that that's within us. And it's probably what makes us scared of snakes today. Now, I, I wanted to say something about exposure therapy and stevie stevie for whatever reason uh she's a very she's a great snake she's a very nice snake she is very inquisitive so i mean you kind of see her gears turning in her head more than some of my other snakes she's also very calm so maybe that helps her with that but um when i have people over here that do not like snakes i'll pull stevie out and you know the, the, the fear is immediate. It's like, okay, there's this snake here. Is the snake venomous? All these questions, right? I don't have any venomous snakes right now. But all you have to do, and to see someone, because of course I'm, you know, I can hold her all day and it doesn't look like much because I'm just having a good time. I hope she's doing all right, at least not having a terrible time. But someone who's scared of snakes and you place this in their hand. It's a... Uh, It's very unique to see it as someone who just loves snakes anyway. See someone, like, holding it. And, you know, you can tell, like, oh, like, I want to fling this thing across the room. I shouldn't be holding this. But then as you feel that... would you relax. But then as you feel them move around and, and things, you realize, I mean, it's a living being, too. Just like us, you know. And that's the crazy thing about biological life is... And I don't know who coined this phrase necessarily, but nature is monster soup. That's what nature is. Uh, There are plenty of things in the wild where corn snakes live that are trying to eat corn snakes. And there are plenty of things where corn snakes live that corn snakes are trying to eat. Now, of course, that doesn't make any animal inherently evil. You know, they gotta eat. But before we get to the logic of that, of saying like, well, it's just an animal that's doing its thing. And an animal that, for whatever reason, doesn't have the inherent beauty, something like a tiger has, that even though tigers are absolute serial killers, which is, you know, it's what they do, it's fine, I'm not demonizing tigers, but tigers are, like, serial killers, but we'll be like, that is a beautiful animal. And then you'll see a snake that is also a serial killer but for much smaller things like you know corn snakes in the wild are eating small birds small amphibians probably some other small reptiles and small rodents but people are a lot quicker to demonize snakes and i i have to i'll reiterate i really think it comes from our natural instincts And I'll reiterate, I I think it definitely comes from our natural instincts to want to avoid things like these that at one point posed a serious threat to us and our development as a species. And there is something else about snakes that make them maybe not, or that make them scary, but maybe not by virtue of our instincts against them, our instincts of avoiding being eaten by them but maybe something that's more kind of obvious that is i guess a little disconcerting about them if you're if you're kind of leaning that way already and that this is very this is much more different from us than even like a lizard seems right without the limbs we lose a fair bit of understanding of uh what's going on with these animals okay we can kind of see something with Two arms, two legs, whether all four operate on the ground or not. And we can say, well, okay, I mean, that's what a lot of life looks like. You know, it's what bears look like. That's what people look like. That's what lizards look like. I mean, even whales and dolphins and stuff have, have fins. But this is a noodle. Okay, and that is, uh... It's difficult to understand as something that is very much not a noodle. All right? And i don't know i find it interesting that this might be another factor of why we don't like snakes i mean my least favorite part guaranteed my least favorite part of horror movies is not like not gory scenes not you know necessarily just like something's possessed but when it's a person and it moves wrong that's what gets me like you know you see that thing like backwards like crawling up the side of the wall or whatever but it's like a person you know that's what gets me and that's us and also like you know a lot of people are nervous about like freaky masks and stuff clint's reptiles put this in one of his videos about why people are scared of snakes and you know you're scared of the mask or you're scared of like what looks to be like a sickly human because you don't know What's really going on with that thing? Like, that weird, deformed person climbing up the side of the wall. Is that a person? What is that? Um, A mask that blocks all emotion? It's like, well, I can't tell what that person's thinking, right? So I'm losing understanding. And it's hard to understand how this thing came out as a tiny little noodle came out of her egg. And now she's a bigger noodle. She's been doing what she needs to do to traverse the universe... To get her to this point where she's like a sub-adult. This. And of course uh, snakes that live in nature do the same thing. It's less impressive that a captive corn snake made it this far than a wild corn snake. But it happens in nature too. Even in the monster soup that we were talking about. And I think it's easy to dismiss things that you don't understand you know because it's easier to just be like meh, i don't get it move on but um besides the fact that it is cathartic to interact with snakes and stuff like that i mean and i've said this in other podcast episodes too i think if we can get to the point where you take something you maybe don't understand and you at least give it five minutes of your mental energy or something like that and just try to wrap your head around it a little more. Just like Stevie wraps around my hand. Um, I think it's beneficial and it's a it's a skill. It is a skill to learn. Now I'm not saying reptile keepers or people that love to keep snakes are like automatically more virtuous than anyone else. It's not what I'm saying. But keeping reptiles is a great way to uh, expose yourself to different things. Especially if you keep a few different species like we have here we have a bunch of different species and not only are each of those species very different than people but a lot of them are very different from each other and the practice of of just not even fully under like i'll never understand even a corn snake that lives in the continental united states of america I'll never really understand what a wild corn snake is doing unless I, at some point, spend like weeks in the wild trying to study these guys. But taking the time to try to understand, right, and and practicing adapting with what's so different than what you always think, it is a skill. And even though I don't think reptile keepers are automatically more virtuous than other people, I think that... All of us reptile keepers that do it responsibly for the love of the animal, I think we're at a, a slight advantage in that in that aspect. And I mean, you see it. Reptile people are, are very different than other people. You know, the stereotypical reptile people seem very, like, off-kilter to people who don't keep reptiles. And you're probably a reptile keeper if you're watching this. But you know what I mean, then. You know, you've seen the way people look, you know, when you tell someone you got a room full of snakes. Look at their face, you know, but we're, I think we are at an advantage in the fact at least that we can practice trying to understand things that are different than us. So we talked a little bit about our time as snake food. And I mean, I kind of already started the segue, but now we're snake keepers, right? Or at least snake adjacent peoples, you know, they exist and we exist with them. Some people keep them in their homes. And I, you know, I, I, sometimes I think, is there a benefit to this? I already kind of mentioned, um, exposure therapy is one. If you have some friends that are terrified of snakes, hey, you get to, uh, introduce them to a nice little friendly snake and things start to change. Keeping snakes can give you a new perspective on things because again, Super different than us, you know, I'll never be quite like, quite like Stevie here, you know, but, uh, that doesn't mean I can't love her, and that doesn't mean that hopefully one day she might even like me a little bit, but there are other, there are other things that I think are are benefits of keeping snakes, and, uh, number one, that's getting over that instinctual fear. So for years and years, really up until when were people keeping snakes kind of commonly as pets? Probably the 70s and on. People were starting to keep snakes as pets and everything like that. So we have a whole new generation coming that are going to be born maybe with less of this fear. Because, I don't know if I mentioned it, there is evidence that fear is a, a genetic thing. Like certain phobias are genetic. They took, speaking of mice again or it might have been rats, but took lab rodents and they put dipped to their feet in water, okay? Or they had them in like a quarter inch of standing water or whatever just so their feet were in there. And they would release a citrus scent, I want to say it was. They would release a citrus scent and then shock the water low voltage, but just so the, the rodents felt it. And that's another one of those things, like your body just instinctually doesn't want to get electrocuted, right? So they that generation of rodents started to pick up on okay well kind of like pavlov's a dog where you ring the bell then you feed them eventually when you ring the bell they're going to know food's coming and that happened the same kind of way when they smelled the citrus smell they would kind of go into a frenzy and then uh, be shocked once again and then they took those rodents and their children and they didn't do it to their children but then their children had children So it's the second generation after the ones that were exposed to this. And they just gave them that citrus smell. And they got scared. So they had never, that generation had never been exposed to this. But then it was exposed to it. And it knew before the electric shock even happened that something bad was going to happen. And that's where I get this idea that um, it's probably instinctual where the fear of snakes came from. Because, you know, you watch enough of your buddies get got, and then now your kids are nervous about it just built in, and then their kids are nervous about it just built in. But that brings us back to around the 70s when people started keeping snakes uh, more commonly as pets. I mean, I won't say that they're super common pets, still probably aren't super common, but a lot more common. And so we're really just scratching the surface on what that looks like, and we'll say genetically, or, you know, hereditarily. Because I don't really carry this fear of snakes, right? So, I mean, I imagine one day when I have a child, if I have a child, I won't pass them a fear of snakes, ideally. And I think it's important to have respect for all animals, right? Much like tigers, right? People love tigers, and they should. They're incredible animals. But, you know, but you still know not to go pet them. And I think that we can start to go more in this direction with snakes, which are, sorry, some of the best pest control in the world are snakes. That's how a lot of venomous snakes get into houses where there are a lot of venomous snakes, like India and Africa. Because rodents like to live where people are, pests do, and then the snakes come eat the pests. Now, that is bad if you're dealing with something like a monocled cobra. But... It doesn't help anyone that everyone is terrified of the snakes, right? Because then, you know, you get to killing them all and then you have rodents problems and things like that. And you got kids in school telling them about how, oh yeah, me and my daddy, would chop the head off a little garter snake. It probably would have killed everybody, you know, because that's not going to happen. And the killing will happen less once people understand that. And it's a lot easier to take the time to start understanding something when you're less scared of it i mean that just makes sense right if i'm terrified of i don't know something if i'm terrified of light okay i'm not gonna have a very good understanding that oh well if you just calm down a little bit and you turn the light on don't get scared of the light you can see things now i don't know if snakes are well you know what no they're living things they're as important as well Light makes living things. So, okay, snakes are not as important as something like light or illumination. But uh, there are probably a million little things that we can improve. You know, for example, a lot of snake bites happen on people that are bothering snakes or maybe trying to kill them. And like even like rattlesnakes and stuff, which is crazy to me, that people will be like, oh, we got to kill it. And then you go up to it and it bites you because you were trying to do something stupid to it. When if you left it alone everything would have been completely fine so that lack of understanding is something we can start to get rid of once more and more people are comfortable around snakes and again it is easier said than done because they were probably killing us a lot you know and um I don't know, it's a good example of forgiveness, too, right? You get to practice a little bit. You know, Stevie, I know your ancestors were eating mine, okay? And you almost made it so that I would never exist. But that's okay, I love you. I mean, I know you didn't do it, right? Because why would you be living in a cage in my house if you were the one wrecking people all the time, you know? You probably wouldn't be. You probably would have killed me by now. And I mean, as strongly as I feel about anything that I've said yet today... I think it's pretty unfair to demonize snakes, okay? Because, again, nature is monster soup. We're part of the monster soup, all right? And eventually, we got lucky somehow. Hey, I mean, you can believe stoned ape theory. You can believe aliens made a hybrid. You can believe that just the ability to tell stories and start living in complex social groups uh, made up, made our brain develop so much, but we were lucky that our brain developed so much, and that I can sit, sit talking to this iPhone, and then people will eventually see it. I hope, I hope some people will see it, but uh, it's just you know, it's not fair. I mean, this could have been literally. I mean, I don't know how literally, because we're going back reptiles to mammals, but we could have been something that at least behaved a lot like snakes, you know, like cave dwelling ambush predators, um, that, that hide from their food. And then they're there before, you know, it, cause they're so good at blending in that could have been us. Or, you know, maybe we could have been, or tigers could have developed a lot earlier. And then maybe, you know, and if they're in the same area that we're trying to develop in, maybe there are no more of us. And, I don't know, you can't demonize animals, man, because again, we just got lucky. We're all on this evolutionary path, right? I don't know who started it, I don't know where it ends, I don't know if it's all planned out. I don't know anything like that. But I know that from where we're sitting, even though a lot of people don't think of it this way, we are just animals, okay? And this is our this is our sister you know um, I really feel that strongly about all biological life I mean it's just it's not fair to like assume that because we made it to here that we're these like inherently superior beings doesn't make a lot of sense it doesn't make a lot of sense because um, I mean for example orangutans I believe have entered their, like, stone age. You know, they're starting to make tools with stones and stuff like that. And I think some of it came from watching us. But it's really just a function of time then, isn't it? Because, like, if all, you know, say there was a, a, a pandemic that was more deadly or whatever and more infectious and it took literally all the people out. I don't know, eventually one of those great ape groups would probably start... Uh, Developing into something like us, you know? And that's, again, it's a factor, it's a function of time. And that's why we're, you know, that's why we got lucky. And whether that's time with, like I said, some sort of intervention or some sort of stoned ape theory or some sort of, I don't know, I guess, fine. You want to say uh, divine creation? Uh, um, I mean, you can but from where we're sitting, we're just here with snakes. And we don't have to be as scared of them as we used to be because they don't want to eat us anymore on the whole. Uh, Even very large snakes are only going to very rarely eat people. In fact, reticulated pythons are the only snake that I know of that are existent today that have eaten people at least verified accounts. So it, you know, it's not like they're these monsters anymore. They're not. Even venomous snakes. As I was saying, with like a rattlesnake. Yeah, you go to chop a rattlesnake's head off, it'll probably try to bite you. But the rattlesnake doesn't want to do that because it it's aware... This is the other thing people don't get about snakes. Snakes are anxious little beings. And this is something that makes me love snakes even more. They're really just anxiety-ridden little noodles. That's all they are. Because I'm holding Stevie right now, and she knows that at a moment's notice, if I did want to kill her, I could. You know, she can feel that. She's more aware of that than I am, because, I mean, I don't think about it, but she is concerned with the fact, and now she's in my sleep, but she would be concerned with the fact that I'm trying to eat her, okay, or just trying to kill her. Because, right, for the same reason, arguably, that we started fearing snakes. Because we were a small prey item when these things were probably already starting to get larger. I don't know how many giant snakes were around up to 75 million years ago. But they were probably larger than our shrew-like ancestors. So, she's having very much the same feelings that we would have when we're scared of snakes because people want to think snakes are mean but they're i mean how how are they going to be mean anyway right even if they want it what are they going to do slap you with their tail like because they don't want to bite you either because that's full engagement for a snake right anymore they don't maybe they used to want to bite you but for a snake to bite you i mean it's got to make a pretty big decision like okay i'm fighting this thing that is way bigger than me And I'm only about five and a half feet tall, but a five and a half foot snake is a whole lot smaller than I am. What do they weigh? Probably depending on the species, but let's say a corn snake that's that big might just weigh a couple pounds. And so these things now are what we were like, the rodents that are terrified because there are these serpentine monsters that are coming around and eating us eating us out of house and home, probably literally, because we were probably in a little burrow. And the snake got in the little, little burrow and said, oh, it smells like little peeps in here, you know what I mean, little people. And it took bite, you know. But that's what Stevie feels now, is a small corn snake interacting with a much larger being. She's probably going through the same things. And uh, you can see she does pretty well. In that situation. Better than apparently a lot of people would. Because if a lot of human beings today. As big as we are. Saw Stevie crawling across the ground in front of them. They might literally run in the other direction. But Stevie's not doing that. I mean she's always on the move. They're pretty active. Snake. But. uh, She's conquering her fear too. So. And it's not that Stevie has necessarily done anything for humanity. Per se, except uh, be interesting and hopefully some people saw my videos about her that I've made so far and they can start to realize this kind of thing where snakes aren't scary, but uh, we owe it to snakes kind of to respect them. And that's kind of our job uh, as, the top, as the top predator, as the top of the food chain in general. We kind of owe it to the other animals to not uh, take advantage of them. And that's what you're doing if you're killing... Because you just... All right, you want to go chop a rattlesnake's head off of the shovel. You're a cool guy. You know, wow. What a... What an awesome guy. But all you really did was you just killed a life that was not going to do anything to you. Maybe had the potential to do something to you, but would not act on that potential. Because again, guys, we're giant monkeys, okay? That's a scary proposition for a lot of the other creatures on the earth you know you can see this um you know people want to people want to like hug raccoons and stuff i've been seeing this a lot uh people find wild raccoons and they want to go up to it well the raccoon might attack you and it's a bad idea don't go hug a raccoon the raccoon might attack you not because it thinks it can kill you all right i mean let's let's be real the raccoon attacks you when you go up to mess with it because it immediately brings itself to panic. And it's like, okay, this thing's gonna eat me. And what I'm saying is, what we owe to animals in general is we owe them, we at least owe them our own understanding of, of what we are and how dominant we really are. Because sometimes you don't feel like it, you know, people are also very nervous things. And sometimes you don't feel like you're on top of the food chain. But, you know, it's not fair to go up to that raccoon because, number one, you're sending it into panic. Number two, you're going to make the raccoons look bad because the raccoon is going to try to defend itself if it can't get away immediately. And then now you made raccoons look mean. But you're really being the mean one by not taking a second to say, you know what, this is a wild animal. And I will probably make it nervous. So, why don't I leave it alone and let it go about its business? Because it will never do anything to me unprovoked. And that's the thing now about snakes and us now. Snake is not going to do anything to you, again, unprovoked. Maybe if you're a, a rice farmer of small stature in the middle of the night in reticulated python territory maybe that, that snake might do something to you. But, in general, guys, I mean, they're just noodles. And they're noodles that are tools for us to overcome our fears, to learn more about nature. You know, reptiles are a big part of evolution because that kind of just preceded mammal development. Um, you know, we the Dimetrodon is i always kind of get this confused but i mean it's a it's kind of like both of our ancestor you know and life really does come in all shapes and sizes you know a lot of snakes come in all different shapes and sizes a lot of people come in all different shapes and sizes but all these animals and all these people too this is all life you know and i think it's important Being that we're still living things until the, you know, until iRobot becomes a documentary. We're all living things. And we should be better about sharing a planet on good terms. Because we do have the power to control that. You know, you don't have to be trying to kill rattlesnakes with shovels because they make you a little nervous. We don't need to do that anymore. Because we are the top predator. We are the tops of the tops. Okay? We made it past... I mean, it seems like people might have been here before, but some people made it across the Bering Land Bridge uh, against the odds of short-faced bears, which were like a 14-foot standing on its hind legs, this giant bear. We made it through there before, I think... Yeah, before the bow and arrow... For sure, as we know with the uh, traditional um, human development model, uh, before we had bows and arrows, we made it past short faced bear. We were eating woolly mammoth before we had bows and arrows and stuff like that. And that's a large creature that is more dangerous than almost any snake. For sure. Oh, yeah. I mean, do you want to interact with. Honestly, I might take a king cobra interaction over a woolly mammoth interaction. I think that's fair. So I, you know, I really feel like if we're able to, uh, I don't want to say normalize snakes, because I suppose they're normalized. I mean, everybody knows about them. But uh, once we get rid of the fact that we like to demonize creatures that um, sit below us on the food chain anyway, um, yeah, that's not me calling us more superior to them or more virtuous than any animal. We do sit higher on the food chain. And when you sit higher on the food chain than something, um, you know, to be response... I mean, look at hunters that do it um, for food and for conservation and things like that, because some populations do need to be controlled. And I look, I love animals, but I won't talk bad about hunting, especially not people that you you can tell have a respect for what they're doing. You know, um, Native Americans were taking down animals and using every single little bit of that animal to um find some some function with you know whether it was the skins for clothing and shelter and the meat to eat of course bones for tools you know that's a very commendable to me because natives were on the plains or whatever and they're seeing these animals but uh and from again i wasn't there either but from hearing stories about um how much respect that this took to, to take the animal and the respect that was taught and the thankfulness to the animal to be able to take it um, I think in general with animals we need to get closer to that kind of idea because I mean and you don't have to be real spiritual you don't have to be religious to say that we are one in the same uh, us and snakes we're just biological life all of us together that includes the buffalo that includes elk that includes white-tailed deer that includes anything that's being hunted so um you know it's kind of sad that you have to take it from people who are killing animals (laughs) to realize that animals that sit below you on the food chain still deserve respect love um You know, and you can use that word love, like, you don't need to actually love Stevie. I love Stevie, but you don't have to love Stevie to just have love for the fact that we're alive. We're alive together, you know? We're on this planet at the same time, which, of all the things that I've ever lived, most of them have died. And, uh, we get to be on the planet right now with some of these individuals, and it's a beautiful thing, you know, um... Again, it's good that they're not killing us anymore, right? It makes this a lot less hypocritical because, you know, if I was saying this and then a giant, like, a titanoboa just slithered in here and ate me, that would kind of throw this whole thing out the window, but that does not happen anymore. And that's kind of what I'm trying to say, all right? Animals are animals. Snakes are animals. You're an animal. And we could all be friends now, especially because us who at least have the capacity for a fair amount of logic. We don't always show it, but we have the capacity to think of, think of things logically. And once you do that, you realize that uh, we're all on the same team and we're all on the same team. And I love my snakes so much that uh, it makes me sad that anyone would be scared of them or would do anything to, to tread on these animals. I mean, okay, before we go... The Don't Tread On Me flag, which, I mean, has become, uh, honestly, has become kind of corny. You know, agree with me or disagree with me. But the Don't Tread On Me flag was a timber rattlesnake. Because when the settlers got here, the pilgrims got here, they ran into these snakes. And some people probably just walked right by them. And they're like, okay, well, that was a cool snake. I'm going to keep on walking. And then some people say, I'm going to go get that snake. And then they got bit by a timber rattlesnake. And especially in the uh, 15, 16, 1700s, you're going to die from a timber rattlesnake bite. Almost definitely. So then they realize, huh. You know, if we don't tread on them, we don't make their lives any more difficult. And we knew this, this was hundreds of years ago, everybody. If we don't do anything to bother them, they won't do anything to bother us. And we like that, and we're going to stick it on the flag, because sometimes we feel like we're getting picked on, but we don't want to be anymore, just like that timber rattlesnake. And, I mean, that little example right there kind of wraps up what I'm trying to say today, and that snakes used to be terrifying, you know, uh, when they we were shrew-like things, for sure. And then even as, as snakes were getting bigger, and then we were also getting bigger, it was still dangerous, but, uh, and much like I said with wolves too, when we became these like super social, super intelligent, tool-wielding beasts, we don't have a need to fear these things anymore. And maybe, you know, maybe even when we first got tools and stuff, we didn't have the same kinds of shelter. But today, with the exchange of information we have, the knowledge we have on almost every species that exists, um, and besides, I'm sure there are plenty that are undiscovered still. You know, makes you think. Makes you think that maybe we should not fear these guys anymore. And I hope you don't. Because, like I said, I love snakes so much. And nobody's treading all my snakes, I'll tell you that. But, I think that's where we're going to wrap it up today, Stevie. Thank you guys so much for listening to today's episode of the Primates with Reptiles podcast. Once again, I'm your host, Raf the Human. And uh, Stevie, my my great co-host here today, my corn snake that is slithering up my sleeve. We very much hope that you enjoyed today's episode. And if you did, leave us a comment. uh, Let us know what you feel about this topic. But that is going to do it for us today. So until next time, thanks so much for watching.